This episode is brought to you by the Love What You Do Collective two-day business mastermind. If you are ready to step into 2019 and make sure this year is your best year yet in business, then why not join the mastermind and surround yourself with incredible powerhouse women who are ready to up-level their mindset, their motivation, and their business and life for 2019. Join us for two full days of jam-packed experiences, connections, collaborations, and amazing guest speakers. You can find out all the information via my website at periscopecoaching.com.au slash mastermind. And now let's jump into the episode. Welcome to the Next Level Life podcast with Christine Corcoran, where I talk all things mindset, motivation, and entrepreneurship. Each week, I will endeavor to bring you a new episode with a thought, insight, or interview with an inspiring thought leader or successful business owner, all about taking your life and business to the next level. Each episode is designed to open up your mind to a new perspective and inspire you to live your life with purpose and passion. Ready to get started? Let's go. Today's episode is a delicious conversation with Anita from WordFetty Group. Anita is a lawyer turned copywriter and is the founder and director of WordFetty, a copywriting studio dedicated to help brands stand out through strategy, psychology, and words. Born from her love of the medium of words and its ability to trigger different emotions to a reader, Anita began her side gig while juggling her corporate job. She then turned it into her full-time gig by quickly hiring new staff. What began as zero clients has today rapidly turned into a wait list of like-minded business owners and clients who, as part of their community, understand the importance of language when it comes to communicating the value of their brand. Our conversation covered topics such as copywriting do's and don'ts, the power of storytelling, how to stay in the creative zone, hiring staff at the right time for the right reasons, using our past experience and skills to create our unique positioning for our businesses, crafting a memorable story, using humor and uncovering your brand voice, building relationships before selling, the keys to grow your business, as well as being aware of your weaknesses and hiring someone to support you in that area when you know it's a weakness, being a master of one area first before you introduce new services, trusting your gut and creating a clear idea of why you do what you do. It's an awesome conversation and I would love to hear your takeaways. So please share with me on social media what you take away from this episode and let's jump straight in. Well, welcome to the next episode of the Next Level Life podcast. I'm so excited to welcome the beautiful Anita from WordFetty today. Thanks so much for joining me. Thank you so much for having me. I'm very excited. So tell us a little bit, just to get started, tell us what WordFetty is all about. Oh, okay. So WordFetty, we are a copywriting studio and we specialize, our little pitch is that we specialize in helping brands stand out through strategy, psychology and words. So um, we don't necessarily write copy based off um, a brief. Uh, we instead, you know, we write copy based off firstly understanding consumer behavior, the psychology of why people buy from a certain brand or engage a certain brand. And then we craft a message that is tailored uh, to that. So that's, you know, website copy. I think a lot of the time people are like copywriting for what? So here it is. Here's a little bit of a list. Website copy, video scripts to pitch decks, marketing collateral to potentially a tagline you see on a billboard. Um, yeah, if, if it's got words, um, we can put our paws on it. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. I love that. And I think what really drew me to you when I first met you was 
the concept of storytelling. Tell me why storytelling is really important to you. The thing is, I think st- storytelling is important. I think because each and every single one of us, and I say us as well, and, and this um, is also reflective of brands as well. I think each brand or each person behind a brand all has a unique story to tell. And I think that sounds a little cliche, but it's, it's true. Like there's always, there's a secret source that makes a business or a brand different to the others. Like you can have, you know, a question I usually um, ask like workshop participants is like, if you have two, I don't know, if you're a cupcake shop and you have two cupcake shops at the opposite sides of the street, like what would make someone come to your store um, compared to your competitors down the road? I mean, for me, like imagine if, yeah, the same two cupcake shops and you've got a cupcake shop that has got amazing, delicious cupcakes versus a cupcake shop that has got the amazing, delicious cupcakes, but it's got that story about how this is a recipe that's been passed down, I don't know, for from grandma to daughter to daughter to now the, the owner of the cupcake store. Like, I don't know about you, but I would probably go towards the one that's got this secret recipe that's been passed down through generations. And it's, it's that storytelling, that element. And it may not necessarily be the recipe. It may be potentially how you wrap the cupcake or it might be the sprinkles that you put on top. It, there's always like one element or one secret sauce that makes a brand different from the others. And yeah, it's all part of storytelling. <laughs> I totally agree. It's it's so important to be able to differentiate yourself in this place where in the market where it's so flooded with every type of business there is, there's got to be something different that makes you stand out. Absolutely. I agree. Totally. 100%. Mm, 100%. And I think there's always so many people who like one of the questions I usually ask of clients is, you know, what makes your brand unique? And it's at the beginning, they're always like, Oh, it's, you know, we just have personalized service that we deliver to our clients. And in my mind, I'm just like, oh, that is great, but that is the standard. Everyone else. <laughs> <laughs> that is not unique. <laughs> like, I definitely agree that that is important and that is, you know, something that um, at the beginning of, you know, um, the copywriting journey they go on with us is something they saw as unique, but it's something that a lot of, I see, I guess I see a lot of brands hone into, you know, the personalized service, the quality products, the, you know, all, all of that, you know, mm. fluffy talk, I guess. Yeah. Uh, when really the standards, like when you go to a shop to buy a product with the exception of the reject shop, uh, you expect the products to be of good quality. Yeah. Um, so it's, it needs to be more than that. And I love how you put that because it literally is the expectation. So things develop in the way that businesses evolve and certain things in the way that when this not society, what's the word? Like when it has become the norm to have that specific thing in your business, then it can't be your, your um, unique positioning at all anymore. Like it's like you've mm-hmm. always got to be evolving. And if the next, you know, two, three stores down the road are actually having the same thing or you, you know, the other business online, whoever it is, yep. if they have the same thing, they're doing the same thing, then you've got to still go past that. And I think storytelling is a hundred percent. A hundred percent. Cause that's when, when you uncover that unique story or whatever it is. Um, and I'm going to like a, a great example is I'm going to use, I'm going to use this example mainly cause a lot of people know the brand, but yeah, Airbnb is one mainly because they've now their unique selling proposition or their unique, their, their story, their story. So a lot of other, you know, home share companies or 
holiday rental companies will focus on, you know, the convenience of it, the price of it, uh, which is all true. Uh, it's probably cheaper to book an Airbnb, but they don't focus on that. They focus on a completely different um, element, which is if you want to um, travel like a local, then you book with us. Mm. Um, and that is such a strong story that even if someone else was to come around now and use that, they'll be like, uh, no, that is, <laughs> that is Airbnbs. Um, yeah. And I love how, like, I've, like, I don't know if you've actually heard them when they interviewed the guys who, who created Airbnb and the way that their story was, where, how it started out when they were actually just allowing people to sleep on. That's amazing. You know, yeah. Blow up, blow up beds and couches and stuff so they can go yes, to yes. concert in the same area. Like it was just so, so cool. But and the way that they developed that even further, they were like, okay, cool. So this is our unique positioning. What else can make us unique? They've, they've then gone to Airbnb experiences, which makes the experience of that local yeah. place so much even more impactful. So I just love that. I agree. Uh, yeah, 100%. And oh, there's no better feeling than checking into an Airbnb. I recently went to one recently in Byron and they would knock on my door after I checked in with some cookies and milk. <laughs> it's cute. like, oh, yes. So Beautiful. So what other things do you normally ask your clients when you first get, get to know someone, if you're maybe start, starting out with a new client, what are some key things you ask to uncover their unique positioning or their storytelling voice? Oh my gosh, that is a great question. And that is very hard to answer because I, it probably, it's a lot of questions, a lot of, a lot and a lot and a lot of questions. And it's, there's no single list of questions that we do go through. Um, it's really just asking questions. And if there's something that they say in the answer that we want to uncover a bit more, we ask a question related to that again, but the whole purpose of, I guess, the first stage, I guess, is discovery and understanding and unearthing, you know, what makes this brand unique. The, the whole purpose of it is really to, the best way I can put it, is to put our brains literally um, into their head so that we can literally think as an extension of their brain. So mm -hmm. any question that will help us understand their business as though we are literally them, um, we will probably ask until we're crystal clear that we are actually thinking about their business as though we are them. Like everything from, um, you know, where, like where they see their brand going is definitely one of them. Like, for example, what I mean by that is if they're a brand that really wants to be seen as the boutique or bespoke, you know, business that is only, I don't know, five staff members, um, compared to say like, yeah, like a graphic design agency, if they just want to be seen as the boutique, you know, five people, ex exceptional work, um, as opposed to a full blown agency that is like, I don't know, 50, 60 people, um, how you communicate to those two audiences are completely different. So things like that is important, you know, watch whether or not they're introducing, you know, products, whether or not there's a, you know, they might be starting off with this, but you know, the big goal is this, like we need to know exactly what's going on in the founder or the executive or the, yeah, that the person's brain. So we can actually um, see everything, see the landscape and then really dissect it so that we can get that secret source out, whatever that is. Mm. Yeah. A lot of questions. Sorry, I didn't really answer your question, but yeah, no, a lot of questions. <laughs> so what is it that you love about the most? So what is there a certain part of the business you love the most that you? 
Um, to be honest, I am going to say it's actually not really, <laughs> this is going to be ironic, but it's not really just about the words for me. Uh, it's, it has to be, I covered a little bit just then, but it would have to be to just meet people um, and to meet people, understand them, hear their stories um, and kind of uncovering, kind of jumbling everything together and mixing everything together and then finding that, I guess, unique selling point or that brand story to tell. Meeting people is um, would, would have to be, and hearing their stories would have to be one of my favourite parts of the job. It's one, it's an honour. Two, it's just particularly business owners themselves. Like we work, we're both business owners and executives, but when, when you work with, yeah, small business owners or, you know, SMEs, like there is just such passion and just such, you know, grit and perseverance, like hearing their stories is, yeah, like that energy is contagious. Um, it's, it's just awesome how people, um, it, you know, it's never a linear path to, you know, doing what they do. And sometimes you hear from, I know doctors who have then gone to become, you know, a cupcake owner, a cupcake shop owner. Like it's, it's, it's cool. It's awesome. That's my favorite bit. <laughs> That's awesome. And I think like even talking about stories in general, hearing that you didn't necessarily start out as a copywriter. You have a little bit of a story of your background and how Word Betty started. Can you share with us how, how that all came about? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so I, that's correct. Mine was super nonlinear. So I, um, let me think, where should I start? So I did the traditional thing where you went to university and um, <laughs> chose a QTAC, you know, choice that you think would work um so i my choices were law and um psychology um and i that was six and a half years very very <laughs> six and a half years were two very expensive pieces of paper um and as if that wasn't enough i decided to get another piece of paper to say um i'm a lawyer um i i, I do not regret doing all of that i mean if i had the chance to um do it i may have just stuck with potentially just one instead of two. Um, but I definitely do, do not regret going through university, but um, that then led me to getting a corporate job. I worked in law firms. I also worked in um, my most recent job was in the public sector. And I actually, yeah, really enjoyed working um, in the different roles that I was in, in the Queensland government. I really, really enjoyed it. It was rewarding. It was challenging. Um, but I think deep, within my brain I knew I just you know that moment when you're just like okay if I get this job I'm gonna be really happy um but then you get that job and <laughs> you're just like okay cool um still yeah. not happy yeah now I've got it, it. it was now exactly <laughs> yeah it was exactly like that for me I just felt like that there, there would be a role that I would want and then I would go and do everything I could to, you know, work towards that and then I'd get it and then I would just be like, oh, okay, well, what next? It's not like I can take over the entire <laughs> government. <laughs> so it's, I, but, so I really wanted something that was just, you know, limitless in a way. And yeah, when Betty was born as a side gig, um, it was early, kind of end of 2016, early 2017 as a side gig. Um, I side gigged for around a year. People thought I was crazy um, because I had no life, but that's cool. 
<laughs> because, um, yeah, it gave me the opportunity to really build the brand to um, the space where it wasn't just I was just taking on any jobs. I could really be selective with, you know, the type of clients I wanted to work with because I wasn't doing it just really for the money. Like I had a stable income from, you know, the corporate job I had. So the side gig really offered me the opportunity to work with people I really loved and that helped me grow, I guess, our portfolio. And then by the time I had to choose between corporate job or my my stuff, I was like, you know what, let's, let's go. <laughs> let's give it a full on crack. Um, and yeah, it really, it really helped. I mean, it's not for everyone to start their, um, business as a side gig, but I personally think it's a it's a great way to um, to start it because I think when people sometimes when people jump full throttle and quit their job and then start their business because of financial issues or because they just like oh I need to make you know this much money by this month I'm just going to take on this job and then they get sad because they're like oh this is not really what I wanted. That's so true. Yeah. And there's so much. I 100% believe that if people are going to start a business, then doing it as a side hustle first to really prove that you can go all in and doing the, doing the jobs that you don't necessarily like, but you have to do to set up your business and to start making it profitable. If you don't, if you aren't willing to do that still while you're working full time or part time, then what makes you think you're going to actually want to do it when you're not like, Oh my gosh. Yeah. So true. So true. Yeah. It's, um, yeah, I, I cannot agree more than that because yeah, it is going to be long hours only your own business. Your brain doesn't really switch off. So it's almost like the entree to you mean like not sitting by the pool with a laptop. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's so, it's so funny that you mentioned that because I think a lot of, I love my girlfriends, but I think a lot of my friends do think I, that that's my life that I get to, you know, and sometimes look, not going to lie. I do sometimes bring my laptop near a pool <laughs> or I will work from a cafe, but it's, yeah, it's definitely not always rainbows and unicorns. What would you say the best thing about being your own boss is? Oh, that is a good question. Um, I would probably have to say it's the ability to really pave my own path as to what I want to achieve. Like if I want to achieve X, Y, Z, I, I can do that. I can put towards a plan. Um, I could put, put towards, you know, a number of plans to go towards that path. Or if I want to switch things up, I can do that as well. If I want to completely go 180 and do something different, I can do that as well. Um, and that is damn awesome. That is pretty awesome. Being able to really have full control of, yeah, what life is going to look like, what life is going to feel like and um, where the life will even occur. I could be yeah in Brisbane. I could be in Sydney. I could, yeah, be in London. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's awesome. Yeah, that is so cool. Oh, love it. So what would you say the hardest part about being your own boss is? Um, <laughs> there are, oh, there, there's definitely a number of hard parts that come to, come to mind when it comes to owning a business. I think the biggest one um, for me personally would really be um, the ability to switch off from business brain to just normal and need a brain because, and I, and I think you, any business owner that is listening to this, um, would completely understand when you're a business owner, you are, there is no work life 
balance. <laughs> it's yeah, it's work life integration. Um, your work becomes your life. Um, your <laughs> life in a way is you're consumed by it, not because um, you have a lot of client work to do. It's not just about that. It's, it's mainly, you're always thinking about, you know, what else I can do or how else I can make this better or how I'm going to make that client experience even more awesome than previous. Like you're always thinking of how to better ABC or how to make, how to create something that your clients want. Um, and sometimes, and this, sucks like and I love my partner to bits for this because I like we would be sitting next to each other and he would be talking and I would literally be typing and he would be talking I'd be like sorry what I did not like my brain is not there because I'm in business mode and in a way that is hard that sucks and I'm yeah I'm super lucky to have a partner who really understands um, and is really supportive of that that's definitely the hardest bit because unless you <laughs> disconnect all internet or all electronic advices it's so easy to check emails it's so easy to jump on your phone and um, open the laptop up nowadays and just start working even on weekends um, <laughs> yeah absolutely yeah <laughs> And so I would imagine your position also like takes so much creative juices and so much space around the creative zone. Is there anything that you do to help yourself get into the creative zone or is it just something that free flows you oh. or? Oh man. Yeah. I definitely need to get better at this. And I think we were just chatting about this before, but I definitely, the creative juices are definitely not always on 24 or seven. And I think anyone else that's in the creative industry listening to this will understand like there's definitely um, peaks uh, for the creative, you know, magic, but there's definitely, there's only so much um, creative juice that can be milked you can't help but sometimes go down the slump. So it's really understanding for me, it's really been trying to understand, you know, when the peaks are. And of course, also understanding that it's okay to, you know, it's okay to take that weekend off <laughs> and recharge the creative juices. It's okay to, you know, finish um, potentially at 4 p.m. one day because you started at 5 a.m. Like it's, um, it, it's definitely been, I think transitioning from corporate role to owning your own business, there is this idea that you have to still work nine to five because you feel like that's what you need to do. But each, each person is just, it, it, it's so different. Like sometimes people are amazing in the mornings and if you wake up at 4am, you could finish at, I don't know, three or four. If you are more of a night owl, you can start work at midday and finish later. It's just finding when the peaks of your creative juices come. So to answer your question, it's to be okay to recharge those creative juices, but to also find out when, I guess, my personal and whoever's listening, like your creative juice is at its peak because yeah. it's different for everyone. Yeah, absolutely. So you worked alongside your corporate role for a, for quite a while, for about a year, doing your doing your side hustle, and then you went into full time. And then, at what point did you feel that you actually needed to hire staff? I actually hired my first staff when I was still in the corporate job. So oh, wow. there was yeah. So I hired my first hire probably six months into side gigging, um, and 
that was mainly because I started to get clients and of course I only had well I only had the weekend Saturday and Sunday and the job I was in was um, they were amazing to have given me so I did a flexible working arrangement that allowed me to also have Friday off so I'd work Monday to Thursday like from say 7 a.m till like 5 very like compressed hours so that I could have Friday off but still I needed someone to help me you know edit my work and review you know make sure the I's are dotted the T's are you know crossed out so uh, the first person I hired was another editor and um, a copywriter as well to really go through the work that I create um, first so I had Brooke uh, first and then um, that was the first hire so then by the time I left my corporate role I already had the amazing Brooke and then it wasn't until I'll probably say four months into full time I then hired another um, copywriter and um strategist so that was yeah michelle and um then the third was um an admin uh, person I, I i do now looking back i think <laughs> i feel really bad for my admin girl because i'm like i'm so sorry all of my stuff is so manual <laughs> so a bit of me is like maybe i should have you know hired the admin girl a little bit earlier because now she has a lot of stuff to do. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, I mean, that's the beauty of hindsight, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. What do you feel that you've learned about yourself through the journey of actually managing staff now? Um, wow, that's, it's, one, it's, it's hard. <laughs> I think the hardest bit for me is I'm usually someone who um, really tries to be friends with everyone um, I'm, I'm really someone who um, yeah you know I am able to go, going to networking events I'm not one of those people who are like eh, I'm not sure like I will be there I'll be like oh hey let's we are friends now but it's I guess it's finding that balance between you know making sure that you're being the best um, you know support or boss I still feel weird saying that being the best boss uh to your staff but also of course maintaining that relationship and somewhat friendship um and them being okay with me giving them feedback or um them being okay with me just letting them know oh hey this should have been like this or this should have been done like this like that has been hard because sometimes I feel bad I'm like oh but yeah I I definitely have had to learn how to yeah provide feedback and also understand that it is it's 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 a big thing to for someone to be part of a brand as well mm. and you really need to not just see them as just another copywriter or just I don't know um, another admin person it's so much more than that because it's yeah, it's, you really need to get to understand this is what I've learned. Like you really need to get to understand what they want to do as well. Like, like if the copywriter also wants to do this, then we can mold the role to it if that's what she wants, because that's what, how she's going to perform her best. So it's really almost not putting the person into the job. It's also molding the job to the person and you know what they love doing and all of that um but yeah i'm still learning every day i'm still learning <laughs> so is there anything in particular that you did when you did hire with that in mind um for me personally i definitely hire not on not necessarily on skill i mean skill is important but it was definitely the attitude 
Yeah. Attitude is um, the most important thing. It's like I just stick with my gut when it comes to hiring staff because you can always teach people how to do something. Of course, it may take longer if the person hasn't got the experience, but if they've got the right attitude or they've got the grit, like, eh, it's fine. Like, they will be, they'll be there, like, rain, hail or shine. Like, they will be there and they'll be willing to learn. But um, that, that would definitely have been my biggest learning in terms of hiring people um, for attitude and sticking with your gut and, 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 You'll, you'll feel it too. Like even if you go out and hire someone um, or put out an ad to hire someone, you might have some amazing applications. And this is something that, you know, uh, we, we are, this is from personal experience. So you could get some amazing applications, but if you just don't have that, you know, connection or you just don't feel that person has got the right attitude, then you don't have to jump right in because it's, yeah, if you're a business owner and you're hiring someone, this is your brand. This is your baby you're talking about, you know? So you got to make sure you've got the right people because they're the biggest asset really. Mm. Um, Absolutely, yeah. because they're also a billboard for you. Like it's, yeah. you know, like it's, it's so important. And I love, I love that you've actually considered that as well. When, when bringing someone on board, it's not just about what you need and the company needs. It's actually about what they need too. Like I, I really, really love that. That's awesome. Definitely. I think when when you a, a business or a company um, are able to not just satisfy someone professionally but personally, um, as like a staff member or um, whoever you've got in your team will be like, wow, like she doesn't or he doesn't just care about me because I can do the job. They actually care about my, you know, you remember the staff's like partner's name or the cat's name, like all the, like the little things. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, that stuff really matters. I think it's one of the key things that, you know, I think in this day and age, people are so wanting to work for businesses or companies that have a purpose and that are making a difference in the world, but also too that actually care about their progression. I think that's what's one of the challenges I had throughout many years in corporate was that real fine line of do they actually care? Do they actually care about my uh, yeah. care about my future? Hundred percent. Yeah, completely get you. Yeah. It's it's hard because yeah, like like you mentioned, I think back in the corporate world, I it's definitely not saying this for for every single corporate organization but there are definitely times where I'm just like okay so is this just a tick boxing thing or (laughs) do you actually care about you know um what 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 I actually love doing or is this you just need the job done Mm. like um and people perform at their best when they work in a environment um like we spend so much of our time working um when it comes to a corporate career like more more time than you spend with your family your friends your pets (laughs) your you know like it's important that that's not um you're not just going there and draining your life yeah you need to enjoy it you really need to enjoy it and find purpose and feel great about it and not be like oh my god i can't wait until the weekend you should feel pretty good about going to work on a monday Mm. <laughs> now I, yeah. I, I really want to go back a little bit to your story because I know you talk about how you became a lawyer and um, you did social and organizational psychology but it wasn't that and I know how I love it how you say it, it was just very expensive pieces and paper but how have you implemented some of the things that you learned in that into your business now um 
I would probably, yeah, that is a great question. I, I would probably say the biggest thing I've learned um, would probably be the choices of just words. I think, and I'm saying this because I wrote a lot of essays and assignments and, you know, exams and all of that. And it's, and I also did a elective under the psychology element on linguistics and language. And it's so damn interesting, just the choices of words and understanding the differences of words and the meanings behind it. And I use this example quite often because it's, it's true, but like the words huge and massive, they have similar meanings, but the, the latter sounds bigger. Like mm -hmm. it's, it's little things like that and knowing what words to use. And this is going back to uni days, knowing what words to use in an assignment to convey the certain feeling um, you want the reader to have or the professor who was marking up the assignment, like using certain words and omitting certain words to make sure that it's just sharp and succinct, like therefore and that, like these are just weasel words a lot of the time, but we love to throw them in because it adds to the word count. Um, but it's, it's little, yeah, little things like that. It's um, yeah, little things like that. Because I think one of the key things, like even with my business coaching clients, sometimes they, we get to a point in our lives where we start a new business or we start a new venture and then we think we need to discount everything that we've learned in the past or all the skills we've ever had. Yet it's interesting how those types of really key things that you learned that possibly at the time you didn't think were really important, but now you look back on it and go, wow, that was really key on how I can utilize that now. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's so true because I think even though at the beginning of the our chat today, I was like, oh my God, two very expensive pieces of paper. But I definitely, like I mentioned, I do not regret it because I've definitely learned um, still a lot from, you know, even just talking like public speaking um, was something that I did not necessarily in the same, you know, same topic, like, but in law, we had to do moots. We had to do, you know, talk also go to the, um, in, in my role in the law firms, like we had to go to the court and do mentions in front of a judge, like being able to not be scared to be in front of people that, that used to be something I was very scared of um, public speaking or just speaking um, in general uh, because you, 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 it, it, it's natural, I guess. Like a lot of the time, 90% of people are quite scared of public speaking or speaking in general. Um, so going through that work experiences, uni experiences, even in high school, even, um, it's all little bits of it have all come into like, you know, together, like a puzzle, uh, mm. to, you know, and, and I'm still learning. I'm still getting, um, I'm still learning from what I'm doing now. Um, and piecing it all together again. So mm. definitely do not discount, uh, you know, even if it's a completely different career that you've been in. Um, I was, I was in a completely different career. There are going to be little elements of it um, that you can definitely, and you might not realise, but there's mm. going to be little elements of it that you can definitely implement in your business. And sometimes it's that, that one little thing that you completely discount that could make you completely unique. Yeah. Else, right? Yeah. 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 Exactly. Exactly. In regards to copywriting, what would you say some do's and don'ts are? Um, I would probably say the biggest mistake I see people doing is they write, they see copywriting or content in general as a t either a tick in the box or just about 
communicating something about what they do clearly or succinctly, uh, which is definitely true. It's very important to be able to communicate what you do clearly and succinctly. People need to understand what you do. But I think what a, pe what a lot of people don't realise is um, that's no longer enough if you really want to stand out in your industry. And um, let's be honest, we didn't, yeah, we didn't start a business to blend in. So if you really want to stand out in your industry, you really need to craft something and really understand your consumers. Um, not write as though, um, oh, I think this is going to sound cool or I think this is going to make sense, but really write to your audience. Um, you're not writing for yourself. You're writing for them. They, you need to craft a message that is going to really connect with them, um, that's going to resonate with them, that's going to stick with them because they're going to do research on other people that are going to be doing what you do. Um, yes, truth bomb, there are competitors. <laughs> and even if you've got the most amazing new idea um, that not many people have yet, uh, other people are going to see what you do and think, hey, that's pretty awesome. I can totally do that. Um, that's why it's not, in, it, it's not enough just to say what you do clearly. You really need to craft a message that is so strong and memorable that they're going to remember you after all the research that they do on your competitors. Mm. Um, yeah, that would be, yeah, both the don'ts and the do. <laughs> and how would you say, like, I actually really love how you inject humor into a lot, a lot of what, to what, a lot of what you do. Um, it's mm -hmm. like even just the way that your website comes up with, Hey, I'm actually fully booked for the rest of 2018. And then like to put a little button saying, push not pull. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, like oh, yeah. that is, yeah, that's, that's legit me in, in person form. I'm very, yeah. <laughs> um, even, I, I would be that person that would actually push. Yeah, me too. Right. And yeah. I actually saw an article that you wrote uh, in the business chicks um, oh, yeah. magazine and it was about how to create um, your out of office message on your email, which I thought was so different. It was so unique in the way that you were, was so really so creative. I just really loved it. I laughed at every single one of them. Oh. How important do you think humor is in copywriting? Look, I uh, humor is important for our brand because it is um, a voice that's part of our brand. It's part of our tone of voice. Uh, we like to inject a bit of tongue cheek sometimes, not too much. But um, to answer your question, it really depends on your your brand. Um, I mean, you could, if you were a brand that is um, quite serious or your, your target audience are like executives and big corporates and, um, yeah, you're a brand that caters purely to that, then if you talk a bit too tongue-in-cheek or if you talk a bit, little bit too, you know, funny when it comes to a serious matter, then people might be like, Oh, um, that's a little bit inappropriate or that's not really funny or they might just not be appealed to that. Like it's really important that you craft a tone of voice based on not what you think is going to work, mm. but based on again, what your audience is going to be appealed to. So humor works for our audience because we like to, um, yeah, have a little, have a little bit of fun when it comes to writing words, uh, for, you know, businesses and organizations. I think a lot of the time when it comes to, Writing words, people get overwhelmed. People are like, oh, my gosh, I don't want to do this, but I have to. Um, well, we want to make it a little bit 
of fun as opposed to more of a daunting task. But that definitely doesn't mean every single brand should adopt the dash of humour. Um, it really depends on your audience and whether or not they're going to appeal to that. Mm. And I imagine in your role, being able to really build a really strong relationship with your clients is quite key. Obviously, with the way that you attract a lot of business as well, I would imagine quite, quite a lot of it is referral as well. Is that true? Yeah. yeah. Um, I would probably say 80%, 80%, 70 of our um, like workload is referrals, which is absolutely amazing. And I feel so honoured to have, you know, clients that refer us or just sometimes they're people who have not even worked with us, which that bit is just absolutely, yeah, even more amazing. Um, but it's relationships is a key component of, um, I mean, along with a lot of other businesses, I'm sure they would say the same relationships are very important to us personally. And mainly because I think at the end of the day, people forget it, it is like the old, fashioned way of doing business um i know there's internet there's social media there's digital marketing and all of that but a big chunk of why people do business or why people do business with certain people um all go back to relationships in a way or that connection really not not so much relationship but that connection um, and whether or not that's done through relationships whether or not that's done through another type of you know thing that you offer maybe you do handwritten notes or maybe you do um a call to your clients after if you're a mortgage broker you do a call to your clients after they um have settled on their home or something like that like it's it's just going back to old roots and really understanding at the end of the day we're all humans here like we yeah we're all humans and we um it, it's it should never feel like a transaction mm, mm. So i think that honestly speaking from from experience as well in relation to that like having that true connection in a place where it's actually just getting to know another human being and not like what I really felt from when I first met you at an event was that you're actually just interested in another human being it wasn't about hey this is what I do it was actually just <laughs> hey what's happening and we just had a really beautiful chat yeah. <laughs> and it was just so yeah. nice to see that you know you can be in, in situations where um we're constantly always talking business or it's, it feels very transactional. So um, I think you yeah. do that really well. So it's beautiful. Oh, thank you. Thank you. I think it's, and it, I, I think that's another way to look at too um, in terms of networking events in general. Like we shouldn't, people put a lot of pressure when it comes to going to, or people are scared of going to networking events sometimes by themselves because they're like, oh my God, um, what do I say? But if you just approach it based on the fact that, hey, you're just making some connections, you're not trying to do a hard pitch or hard sell. The majority of people don't like the hard sell, by the way, but you're just trying to get to know people. Who knows? Like if something comes out of it, great if nothing then that's fine too you still got to connect with someone and um who knows they might have a brother or a sister or even if they don't that's fine you just got to know someone and you might have just learned something from them so and approach it on that sense yeah and even though they may never become a client of yours like you said before they could actually just be a supporter where they connect you with the yeah. right or they recommend you refer you so yeah you never you never know what it's going to come out of it but if you come from that place of needing that client or needing that referral then yes. it's not going to come from a nice place no and you're you're just putting pressure on yourself you're just mm. like uh, uh. <laughs> absolutely and there's nothing more awkward than being like oh my god i'm gonna slip my business card in right about now 
Yeah. <laughs> you just and they. <laughs> uh, yeah. This is so true. Like I've often been at events and someone's given me their business card and I'm like, oh, I'm not even your ideal client. Like I, I don't even know you. I don't want what you're selling. <laughs> Oh my gosh. I've had so many. Yeah. I've, I've personally had a number of experiences and it's, it's almost like I, and it's even more funny, I guess when they, yeah, they, that's the first thing they do. This is my business card. It's like, well, who are you? Like, why do you love doing what you do? Like, and like people want to know stuff like that too, not just about what you do. <laughs> Absolutely. So is there any, any key things that you feel like you've done this year that have really helped to grow your business to where it is now? Um, I would have to say maybe two things. I would probably say, um, I getting a mentor. That's one. Um, and the other one is getting an accountant, <laughs> um, getting confident in my numbers. Cause Oh my gosh, my number game is not great. Um, and yeah, as a business owner, you need to know your numbers. So if you can't do it, then find someone who will dissect all of that lingo to you um, so that at least you know the important stuff. So that has definitely been something that I've, um, yeah, that, that I've done this year. And it's, it's helped me tremendously because I'm just, I guess a, a lot of the time you're like, okay, so I guess money's coming in but it's also going out, but like, am I making a profit? Like that, that, that is just one question, but like, or how do I, what, what, what service offering or what product offering is actually generating the biggest ROI? Like what, or when it comes to advertising, like I've spent this much on advertising, is it even working or should I just keep pushing money down the drain? Like, so it's understanding your numbers is um, one thing I wasn't good at, but one thing I, invested in an account or, or just a, yeah, a financial advisor to really help me, um, up level my numbers game. And we, um, chat every quarter. We, um, we review everything and see how we can do things better and all of that. It's that accountability as well. Great. Awesome. And what were your key things that you learned from your mentor? Um, I would, there, there, there would be a number of things. I think the biggest thing is two things. One success is defined so differently to so many people. And I'm still trying personally, I'm still trying to find my definition of success. I feel like I, um, a lot of the time people jump towards, you know, if you make this much, you're successful, mm -hmm. but it's not necessarily that. I think a part of what I think success for me personally is, is probably in a way freedom, like freedom to do, what I want, what I want, as well as, you know, to travel, to see my family, to see my friends and still, of course, have a business um, that runs. So really that every person has their own definition of success and that it's not always about money um, and that you can, like, do it all but you can't do it all at once. That's another, <laughs> that's another thing. I think I have a lot of ideas uh, for the brand and what we want to do, but definitely cannot do it all at once. <laughs> no. Nice. Yeah. And what would you say some of the best advice you've ever been given is? Um, it would have to be focus on one thing and, and, and do it well. So I think a lot of the time, 
businesses and my, myself included at the beginning of the word Fetty journey, we, um, this is spoiler alert. Like we focused on a lot of different elements, but, and that probably lasted maybe two months until I realized, okay, I am trying to put my hands in all these different baskets when really I just should just focus on one thing. I think a lot of the time people think if you just focus on one thing, you're losing on all these other clients. But if you focus on one thing and niche and be a master at it and be known as the go-to for it, then that in a way is a ripple effect as well. That That is even stronger than focusing on, you know, we could have co- focused on copywriting and PR and marketing and advertising and Facebook ads and photography. And like, you know, we could have focused on so much, but um, I think it's just about getting clear on what you do and what you do best and nailing that mm. um, will be seen as the go-to for that. You don't have to do it all. Mm. You don't have to be seen yeah. unless that is what you want to do. Okay. And unless that is what you want to do, but yeah. um, do not feel like you have to do that. Mm. Because some people do actually think, like, come from a place of, well, I can do that, so I should be doing that. Yeah. You know, maybe that, 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 what you want to do. <laughs> yeah. That, that was definitely myself as well, uh, full transparency. I, I, we recently had our birthday event and I actually told everyone who came to the event, we had a bit of a, I screwed up panel. And my little spiel was that um, when we first start with Fetty, we actually, and not many people know this, which is good, but now you guys are about to know, um, but <laughs> we actually offered a random service um, that was for audio transcription very very random yeah but at the beginning I was like you know what I can you know we can type fast and this is to do with words so why don't we offer it and no one zero absolutely no one ever inquired about it it was all copywriting clients that came to us and I was like okay well the tribe has spoken I am going to get rid of it because I should have never introduced this I had a weird feeling about it at the beginning and this just confirms it so yeah don't 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 feel like you need to put all your hands in different baskets just because you can do it like you've got to yeah. really love doing it um yeah and do you feel you've been able to really trust that gut feeling now yes I'm getting so much better at it I think um it has been Sometimes I need to be reminded, but I definitely am a big believer in trusting your gut. It's always, every single time I didn't trust my gut, it's always been like, okay, I should have trusted my gut. That gut does not lie. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But it's like a skill, right? Like you have to kind of feel the waters and test it. Yeah, yeah. yeah, It's like you need to screw up to get that feeling of, oh, that's, yeah, should have, yeah. Yes, yeah. (laughs) Like I, I really love this quote that I've come across. It's, um, yeah, it's never failure, always a lesson. Mm, so true. So mm-hmm. true. Awesome. Mm-hmm. So what's next for WordFetty? Um, well, next holiday. year we're going to, well, yes, holiday first. Holiday for Entree and then for main course, it will be, uh, we're really wanting to dive into, I guess, the um, education space. So um, that's, uh, you know, running workshops and teaching people how to do exactly what we do Um, because it's a skill. Copywriting is a skill, I think, that's important, not just for, obviously, other copywriters, but also for business owners, for, you know, marketing managers to even um, organizations in general. Um, And that's, again, not just to communicate 
what you do clearly and succinctly. It's the ability to really get under the surface and craft a message that is not going to be replicatable um, and all of that. And I really think everyone has the ability to do that. They just need the tools and the resources to help them get there. So we're going to be, um, oh, this is exciting because it's the first proper time I've actually said it, but we're, yeah, we're launching workshops next, next um, year under our brand and, We'll also be doing workshops like tailored workshops for corporates and um, we may or may not have something as well that runs with forecast. Ooh. Oh, what could that be? <laughs> <laughs> love it, love it, love it, love it. Awesome. So last question, just to bring it all back around. Is there a key thing that you have learned in your journey throughout your whole business journey that you would like if someone else was wanting to go out onto the space of opening their own, starting their own business, what advice would you give them? I would have to say you really, really have to 150% believe in what you're about to, this business idea or business venture you do. Um, I personally don't think someone should start a business just, just because they're like, eh, um, you know, that sounds like the next cool thing. Let's go with that and start a business from that. You really need to believe in it as well um, because things will go wrong. Uh, things will not <laughs> go, you know, perfect. And the only way for you to stand back up is if you really have the belief and um, the idea that this, you know what, this, this is wanted. This is something that the market wants. So I'm going to keep going. Uh, you really need to have that drive and belief in what you do so that you can really bring yourself back up because there's been so many times that I've been pushed down as well. I've been, you're going to get rejected. You're going to have people, you know, say things that are not, you know, fantastic to hear and you're going to have people, you know, say mean things to you for no reason at all, but you cannot let that, um, yeah, get to you at all. And the only way for you not to get, um, to have that, you know, cloud your mind is when you have such a clear idea of why you do what you do so yeah that would be my big yeah big tip mm, beautiful love it love it thank you so much i've really really enjoyed this conversation today me too thank you so much for having me love. oh it's been my pleasure and i just want to acknowledge you for everything you've achieved so far with word Fetty. like honestly it's incredible to see that you've not only worked your butt off doing your side hustle but then also created this beautiful little company with cool people that work alongside and your message is just so strong. So I really, really want to just acknowledge you for that. So well done. Thank you so much. That, yeah, that really means a lot to me. Thank you. My pleasure. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you. Thank you for listening. And I hope you enjoyed today's episode of the next level life podcast. I'd love to hear any takeaways that you've had from today's episode. So please share with me on Instagram and Facebook. And if you feel so moved, please pass this episode on to any friends or family that you feel may benefit from it. Looking forward to speaking with you next week, and here's to taking your life to the next level. <laughs>